This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Nightlight has partnered with Fan Roll Dice by Metallic Dice Games to offer an exclusive discount on one of their gorgeous dice sets that we've fallen in love with because of their satisfying weight and, let's just be honest, sparklies not to mention their impeccably constructed dice accessories. In one word, velvet. Visit fanrolldice.com, that's F-A-N-R-O-L-L-D-I-C-E dot com, and use our discount code NIGHTLIGHT for 10% off any new additions to your dice hoard. A portion of your purchase will come back to us and help support our shows. So go to fanrolldice.com with the discount code NIGHTLIGHT to get 10% off of any additions to your dice hoard. Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written and performed by Black creatives from all over the world. This week, a woman blossoms. But before we get to mystery illnesses and government-sanctioned testing, I want to remind you that you can enjoy ad-free episodes and help us pay a living wage to everyone who works to bring these stories to you. Just go to nightlightpod.com slash legion to join the Nightlight Legion and get a shout-out on the podcast, plus occasional bonus content. You can also make a one-time donation to support us at nightlightpod.com slash donate. And don't forget, Nightlight merch is available, and you can support us by supporting Nightlight-branded gear. Just go to merch.nightlightpod.com to get your t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more. Now sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy The Adoration of Random Strangers. Written by Azure Arthur and narrated by me, Tanya Ransom. The shamrock-colored speck didn't bother Tanaya. If anything, it was a minor inconvenience, something people occasionally noticed. What's that green dot on your thumb? Ugh, is that game green? Have you seen a doctor about this? She had seen a doctor about it, and no, it wasn't gangrene, and for whatever reason, no one knew just what the emerald dot on her thumb was. It didn't hurt her, so she wasn't sure why it worried others. Even when it grew to cover half of her nail, the green, which spiderwebbed from one cuticle to the other, and looked a little furry, like tiny ferns beneath her thumb, still didn't seem to be damaging her. I think it's pretty, she said, splaying out her hand in admiration. The green spot complemented the light brown hue of her skin, emerald against dark tan. No one knows what it is, but it's pretty, and it doesn't bother me. But it did bother her, that is, even though she said it didn't. At night, she dug tweezers beneath the nail and extracted tiny slivers of green-tinged flesh. Under her pocket microscope, the green filaments moved, wriggled, writhed, but the doctor said they didn't and told her to stop digging before she ended up with an infection. So she stopped. Then, one morning, she woke to find that the green had covered her nail and had begun to stretch across her skin. Tiny curly cues of verdant veins had traveled down her thumb into the separation between her fingers and across the back of her hand. This isn't normal, she snapped at her doctor, who had taken one look and sent her to a dermatologist. Hmm, no, it isn't, 
Dr. Jawani agreed. The dermatologist was an Indian-American woman who made a crack that it looked like the start of a henna tattoo before the green ink had dried. Tanaya, black American and unfamiliar with henna, stared at her with a deep, disapproving confusion. She didn't care about temporary tattoos. Well, Dr. Jawani said after an awkward silence, I am going to take a small sample, a biopsy, if you will, and I'll get back to you as soon as the test results are in. Okay, Tanaya said, but she didn't want a biopsy, and the small sample hurt a lot more than Dr. Jawani had indicated it would. In the meantime, the vines, which Tanaya had come to, if not accept, at least tolerate, continued their creeping advance across her skin. One increment at a time, down one finger to the nail and back again, until her whole hand was covered. People on the street noticed the designs and began to compliment her. Oh, I love your tattoo. That's so pretty, did you have your nails done to match? You have to give me the name of your artist. For a while, the flattery was enough to alleviate Tanaya's concerns. That is, until the morning she woke and, overnight, the veins of green had covered her whole arm, right up to her shoulder. The lines were thicker now, darker in places, with the outline of leaves sprouting just under the skin. She cut into a spot at one point and screeched when an actual leaf popped out. What? She hyperventilated, the gasps coming in and out, speeding through her chest. What? She tried to pull the leaf out, but it felt like it was attached to her bone. There was searing pain and a deep tug that left her panting after pinching and yanking at the leaf in her bicep. She called Dr. Jawani, who said, Come in immediately. We have fascinating results from your original biopsy, and I would love to do a bit more research. The woman's voice was enthused, excited even, and Tanaya's heart thudded in her chest as the doctor continued. As a matter of fact, the lab itself is interested. Of course, Tanaya said, even as her brain began making a list of things she needed to take with her in case she couldn't ever come home again. Can I come in tomorrow? After she hung up, she packed a suitcase, then another, and another, lining each one up against the wall by the front door. She called her best friend, panicked and making very little sense. Her sister called, and she garbled even more. But they understood. To be black in America, to be different in society, to be a medical marvel anywhere in the world, meant not only to be othered, but potentially tested on. She mumbled the names, the experiments, the stolen knowledge, the history she knew. Lucy, Anarka, Betsy, Tuskegee, Henrietta Lacks, she thought to rest before running, to prepare mentally before leaving, but Dr. Jawani's office called to confirm her appointment. Her panic became palpable, living thing then, one that breathed in the room with her, that clouded her head with screaming alarms. They could come in the night. They could come in the morning. They could be outside, right, now. She lived off campus alone. No one at school would notice her missing for a few days, and if they did, would they even care? Mommy? Tanaya said when her mother answered the phone, but that was about all Tanaya could get out before she began to cry. Stress seemed to make the plant grow faster. Her period had caused the sleeve on her left arm, but her terror of the medical community made the vine shoot down her leg. She felt them move that time, a squiggling, creeping sensation that had her pulling over on the side of the road to wriggle out of her pants and inhale in gasping horror as she watched the green creep. 
She dug at her skin, scoring deep grooves that filled with blood immediately. The foliage shied away from her hands, and she gagged, dancing around in her car like a spider had landed in her thick curls, screaming repeatedly as she beat at her thigh, punching her knee, and banged her calf against the side of the door. Nothing prevented the progress. They stopped when they wanted, right above her ankle, where they swirled in a circle like an anklet, complete with little leaves and tiny curls as charms. Her panic dissipated when the vine stopped. It was then that she considered where she was, on the side of the road, in broad daylight, appearing to be having a drug-induced fit. It would be considered drugs if she was pulled over, if someone had called the police. They wouldn't believe it could be mental or factual, a bug or an illness. And what if the disgusted fear of her own skin was all in her mind? What if Dr. Jawani had been waiting with... No, strangers had seen it. Strangers had complimented the green, her tattoos. It wasn't in her head. It couldn't just be in her head. But a black woman on the side of the road is never a good look. Tania padded under her eyes in the rearview mirror, stared at the red hue of the whites until they cleared enough for her to drive, pulled up her pants, and eased back into traffic. Her heart beat in her ears, and her shirt stuck to the seat, wet with sweat that had dripped down her spine. She pressed back to stop the trickling sensation. Don't think about it. It's just sweat. It's not the vines. Tanaya's family was originally from Bossier City, but they lived a bit of everywhere now, so it was no surprise when she found herself rattling down the highway to a nondescript house on a back road in Mansfield, Louisiana. Her mother hadn't told her to come to her house in Atlanta or to go to her grandfather's house in Denver. No, instead she had directed her to her great aunt Versi's sprawling complex of a home. Ooh, baby, come on in. Aunt Versi was dark-skinned with high cheekbones, a sweet smile, and roomy cataract-filled eyes. She was ancient, stooped over, and had a sweet Louisiana drawl. Your mama said you were coming, and I didn't believe it. Tanaya, here, I said. I just didn't believe it. Come on, I got your room ready. Tanaya followed Aunt Versi down the hall of the large house, her eyes roaming over decades of pictures and dated furniture. The hardwood floors were polished to an expressive sheen, and not a speck of dust could be seen anywhere. Aunt Versi stopped at a door and opened it to show Tanaya a dusty rose-colored room with a wide window that looked out over the backyard. It featured a queen-sized bed in the center of the room, two closets, one on each side of the bed, a mammoth dresser, and a wardrobe. See here? See? Aunt Versi said, It's pretty, and I done aired out the space, changed the sheets. Your mama said you needed a bit of peace. Just a bit, baby. Said you was stressed. I'm not stressed, Aunt Versi, Tanaya replied. Something is happening to me. Something's always happening to you, girl. You ain't know that. Aunt Versi squinted up at her. You a woman. Something's always happening to a woman. We never stop changing. No. Tanaya stopped and shook her head. Yes, ma'am. Now you get clean from that road. The bathroom's right through there. Aunt Versi pointed at a door attached to Tanaya's room. It was on the side of the wardrobe, out of sight. I'ma make you something to eat. After dragging her suitcases from the car, Tanaya sat on the side of the bed and watched the dust mites filter through the sunlight. 
It had taken two days to drive here from California, almost three, since she didn't have a phone and had forgotten to print out the directions. She had emptied her bank account in LA, charged as much in cash withdrawal as she could from her credit cards, asked a friend to help with subletting her apartment, selling her things, and giving away her plants. No one came to Aunt Versi's house. None of her friends had even heard of her. No one to remember and say, maybe she's in Louisiana, when the people came for her. Girl, ain't nobody coming here for you. Not yet. Gonna take them some time first. Gotta find us first. Aunt Versi said later that night, when Tania stood in her underwear in the middle of the room. Move your hands now. Let me see. Aunt Versi walked around her, poking here and there, touching vines and gently brushing her fingers over leaves. Well, I ain't never seen anything like it. what the doctor say? That I'm a medical miracle. That I should come in for some tests. Hmph. Aunt Versi gave her a look, her eyebrows raised and her mouth a thin line. The older woman's lip curled slightly. Yeah, I bet they want to do some tests. Well, half your body's covered. Right even, too. Stops at your spine. It's on my back? Tanaya looked over her shoulder as best as she could, only able to see a small bit. But the vines were there. She knew they were. What's happening to me? Well, you know, at one point, my grandmother, that'd be your great-great-great-grandmother, she would say that we came from tree folk. Maybe this is throwback. What are the tree folk? Tanaya whispered, her voice impatient and breathy. She could feel her nose wrinkled and her lip lifted, but she couldn't wipe the expression from her face. Tree spirits, baby. Like them Greek folks dryads, but black, African, our kind. Came out of baobab trees, come out of acacia trees, out the knob thorn, the fever trees, out of all of them. But those trees are in Africa. Once they would have said, but those people are in Africa, but they ain't no more, are they? Aunt Versi nodded. Let's see what these vines do. I don't want to see what they do. I want them to go away. Bit late for that, baby. Aunt Versi handed Tanaya her robe. Bit late for that. It was the pain of the skin at the bottom of Tanaya's feet splitting open that woke her. She screamed into her pillow, knowing that Aunt Versi would come tottering down the hallway at any noise. It had been weeks of slow, crawling vines edging across her spine, her sternum, and finally, to the other side of her body. Vines wasn't really the word for them, though. As the weeks had gone by, some of the verdant hues had changed to brown, darker than her skin, so noticeable, but not as noticeable as the green had been. There were branches up her spine, down her arms and legs, and minor twigs that forked out in other places. There were still forest vines that wrapped and twisted in some places and sprouted leaves in others. The leaves irritated her the most. They pressed against her skin and itched until she either cut the dermis open for them to come out, or they slowly split the skin on their own, growing out over the course of a day. She had to wear long sleeves to stop them from snagging against anything but then, fabric rubbed and irritated in a different way. Sometimes, for no reason at all, the leaves withdrew back into her skin, only to start growing out in a different spot, near the original section. None of that minor pain was comparable to the pain that came out of her feet. Roots, she whispered, turning her feet to look at her soles in the moonlight. 
Each foot now had a massive wood-like callus that ran from the base of her heel to just before her toes. They have to be roots. Why do I need roots? When she stood and walked across the room, her bare feet echoed, clicking like heels across the hardwood floors. She wiped her brow, feeling hot and sticky, which was normal for Louisiana, but this felt like something more. Beneath her skin, the branches and vines seemed to be waiting. But why do I need roots? She asked the room aloud. She heard it then, a car in the driveway, where no one should have ever come, especially in the night. She heard the doors opening and how softly they were closed. She heard the steps that were lightly taken onto the porch. Girl, they here. They here for you. Aunt Versi hobbled into her room, as silent as the shoes on the porch. There was a knock, polite, but the other set of footsteps that led away seemed to be headed around the back of the house. Outside, Tanaya managed to say, and Aunt Versi pulled her through the bathroom into the other guest room. There, in the closet, her aunt opened the floor. Get down there, follow the tunnel. Ain't been used in a long while, but it's good. Aunt Versi practically shoved her into the floor when another knock, louder this time, came. Follow till you can't no more. Then you go up to the forest. I'll find you later. As Tanaya climbed into the hole, she looked up at Aunt Versi looking down at her. The older woman's eyes were luminous in the darkness. Here, her aunt said, holding out a lighter and a candle. Don't forget to blow it out when you come up. Just come with me, Tanaya said, her voice high with fear. Baby, ain't no white folks about to run me out my own house. Aunt Versi shook her head. You gone now. With that, Aunt Versi closed her up in the darkness. Tanaya heard her footsteps hurry away. She sat in the dark for a moment, her heart racing, breath shuddering through her nose. It smelled damp in the tunnel, and the soft dirt cooled her aching feet. She didn't worry about infection, but it felt like the roots in her feet were growing towards the earth. She gagged at the thought and ran down the tunnel, following its steep slope until it finally leveled. Her vision was wild, and she caught brief glimpses of what held the tunnel together. Roots in some places, boards in others. She ran for close to five minutes, panic gripping her when she realized she had never lit the candle, but she could see in the darkness. She stopped, quickly breathing in and shuddering out, her eyes searching the features of the space around her. Rough stone, damp earth, rotting boards, and a tunnel that continued further but ended in the distance with a ladder that had been cut into stone, everything seen through a jade film that let her know something had changed with her eyes. Tanaya walked forward, the darkness behind her a breathing thing that disappeared when she looked back, but returned when she faced ahead. When she reached the ladder, she climbed, awkwardly. The roots, more like stilts than heels now, made it hard for her to wobble up the steps. At times, she found herself holding her body up by just her fingers, clenching the ledge step as her toes scrabbled to find purchase and a place to rest the roots of her feet. Finally, she found the trap door, a metal latch not more than a few decades old with freshly oiled hinges. Aunt Versi had planned for this, but it was stuck, likely mud from the past few weeks of rain. As Tanaya pushed, straining to force the door open, Leaves burst from her fingers in brief sparks of pain. With a grunt and a muffled shout, she threw the door open and climbed out into a ring of flashlights. Tanaya squinted and turned her face away. Tanaya Lewis? 
the woman said, stepping forward. She was tall, thin, with brown hair and kind brown eyes. Agent Elena Wooten, United States Environmental Protection Agency. We hear about the Adansonia Perrieri. The what? Tanaya's feet hurt, and she dropped a bit back into the tunnel. The route she balanced on seemed to shrink beneath her soles. Perrier's bow bab. We got a flag of a sample popping up, possibly from a fully mature tree recently transported from the protected lands in Madagascar. Highly endangered, illegal to be removed, and one was removed. Agent Wooten stared at Tanaya, her gaze hardening. Last month. I don't know what you're talking about. Tanaya climbed up a few more steps, ignoring Agent Wooten's hand. So much for Aunt Versi's secret tunnel. How did you find me? Versi Ann Baldwin's family home is a historical site, with deep records of its movements and histories, including its involvement in the Underground Railroad. Elena smiled proudly. We knew there was only one of two ways you would leave the house. Tanaya climbed out, making sure to keep her fingers, which were tingling, out of sight. So, the Adansonia Perrieri, where is it? I don't know what you're talking about. Of course you do. I don't, I promise. I don't have a tree. I had a thing on my finger. And where did that thing come from? Where is the baobab? The agent sneered at her, and Tanaya could tell it didn't matter what she said, what she tried to get her to believe. She was already guilty before they arrived. It came from my finger. Tanaya trailed off. She searched the faces that surrounded her, pale in the moonlight, though one agent was brown-skinned. His eyes held empathy, but she knew he wouldn't help her. Well, if you're not going to produce the tree, we're going to have to arrest you. You proved your guilt when you ran. Trafficking in endangered plants is a federal crime. Agent Wooten motioned to the men around her. You have the right to remain silent. Tanaya's ears began to ring as Elena kept speaking, and two of the other agents began to advance on her. Her feet tingled, and she felt the roots, which had seemed to be shrinking back into her souls, begin to grow, stretching into the earth. She followed the feeling and considered the location of each agent as she did. The jade tinge on her vision had returned, and the branches that had rested right above her shoulder blades for weeks exploded out of her skin in a shower of blood and flesh. She saw the moment that the agents realized they were in trouble, but by the time they went to fire, it was too late. She directed her roots to burst out of the ground, wrap around the ankles of one man, and drag him into the dirt. Branches impaled another agent and she glanced at them, and when she pointed, vines from her fingers hanged and dragged the next. The whole time, Tanaya was screaming. She felt spores travel from somewhere inside, and she knew she just had to yell them into the air to be inhaled. A man coughed, and Tanaya's advanced sight revealed the moment he began to choke from the plant matter that took over his lungs. Finally, it was just her and Elena. We just wanted the tree. I am the tree. Tanaya said before she plunged her fingers deep into the woman's chest and forced her into the ground. Aunt Versi found her with her children, the tiny baobab trees feeding on the bodies beneath the ground. Tanaya was scanning through a folder, frowning. Baby? Her aunt said, 
hesitating on the edge of the clearing as she did. What you done did, girl? Did you know that the Adansonia perrieri, also known as the perrier's baobab, is almost extinct? Tanaya set the folder down and looked at her aunt. There are so few left in the whole world. Tree folk, Aunt Versi said, reverent in one way, disappointed in another. Tree folk, what you done did. Protected myself. Them government folks ain't gonna see it that way. Aunt Versi still hesitated, staring at her in a way that let Tanaya know she was terrifying to behold. Languidly, Tanaya drew in her branches, retracted her vines, inhaled deeply to draw in any hanging spores. I don't care how they see it, Auntie. Tanaya stood, her pajamas hung in rags now. And neither should you. I am allowed to protect myself, and so are you. Aunt Versi didn't say anything when Tanaya grabbed her hand. Come on, Aunt Versi. I need a shower. Thanks again to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Because of your support, listeners around the world get creepy tales in their ears every other week. If you want new stories every week, the only way for that to happen is to join the Nightlight Legion by going to nightlightpod.com legion. You can also make a one-time donation via PayPal at nightlightpod.com donate. If you're unable to support us financially, word of mouth is the next best way to help. Written reviews are the best way to help, so be sure to leave a few kind words on your podcast platform of choice. You can also rate us if you're in a hurry, or give us a shout-out on your favorite social media at NightlightPod, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ransompodcasts. Audio production for this episode by Davis Walden. Join us next time, and be sure to leave your nightlight on. You never know what might be taking root in the dark. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.